Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host, and the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often. And today's hashtags are Nonprofit Utopia and Summit 19. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofitutopia. The chat room is open. And you can start posting comments and questions right now. In order to use the chat room, all you need to do is click on to the little button right beneath the chat room itself. And then you will also be able to email us questions at Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. Now, I will say that if you do email questions, for obvious reasons, I won't be able to respond while we're on air, but I will definitely respond as soon as possible. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. We encourage you to sign up for a mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community, and we've included a link to our mailing list in the comments <coughs> section. We've often heard people complain that the government should just stay out of business and let the markets run their course. What if instead we focused on how the power of government may be harnessed to facilitate business growth and promote equitable community development? Attorney Mark J. Lane, president of the law offices of Mark J. Lane, PLC, is with us today. He's going to be sharing case studies of how the Cook County Commission on Social Innovation and other government bodies are crafting groundbreaking legislation to create opportunities for for-profit as well as non-profit social entrepreneurs. We will also discuss why you should attend the upcoming Social Enterprise Alliances Summit 2019 and join SEA, and SEA is short for Social Enterprise Alliance. As I indicated before, our guest for today is Attorney Mark J. Lane, and Mark is a nationally recognized business and tax attorney and financial advisor. He practices law at the law offices of Mark J. Lane, PC, in Chicago. By appointment of then-Illinois Governor Pat Quinn, he chaired the state's task force on social innovation, entrepreneurship, and enterprise and by appointment of Cook County Commissioner or former Cook County Commissioner Jesus Chuy Garcia, he now serves as the Vice Chairman of the Cook County Commission on Social Innovation. He's also the Chairman of the Chicago Chapter of the Social Enterprise Alliance, or SEA. Mark is an innovator in helping corporations, social enterprises, foundations, investors, lenders, and philanthropists leveraged capital to maximize financial results while driving positive social change. 
Mark has taught both entrepreneurial finance and social enterprise at Northwestern University School of Law. So, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Valerie, it's a yeah. delight to be with you, and thanks again for the invitation, and thanks for your very generous introduction. Oh, not a problem. Well, thanks for being you. That's that's all I introduced. I just introduced mm-hmm. you. So, so you were here a couple times um, when we were doing a show under the nonprofit You Brand. As we did then, I'd like to start off by having you provide some background information before we jump into our topic. Just so we're all on the same page, can you share with our listening audience what you mean by social enterprise? Yeah, I'll be happy to, Valerie. Thank you. Uh, The social sector is under enormous stress, as I think everybody recognizes. The classical funding sources for nonprofits uh, typically have been government through grants and contracts and philanthropy. Uh, Government, of course, is fiscally challenged, and philanthropy has uh, vagaries associated with its grant-making process and is subject to too many charities chasing too few dollars. So consequently, nonprofits are developing earned revenue strategies, that is businesses, to allow them to diversify sources of funding. Uh, Those businesses are called social enterprises. They are both uh, instrumentalities of mission and sources of funding separate and apart from the classical unearned sources of revenue. Uh, So that's where many of the social enterprises are to be found. In addition, we're seeing a growing number of market-driven, for-profit, social-purpose businesses, and they too fall into the category. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So you're the vice chairperson of the Cook County Commission on Social Innovation, and Commissioner Alma Anea is the chairperson. Can you share an overview of the Cook County Commission? And full disclosure, I'm a former vice chairperson of the Social Capital Committee. You you are indeed, and it was a treat to uh, work with you side by side, Valerie. Thank you for your extraordinary leadership within that body and elsewhere. Um, as, as you um, will remember, Valerie and many in your audience may also know, uh, the Cook County Commission of, on Social uh, Innovation was uh, had as its precedent the uh, governor's task force that I earlier chaired. Uh, in both cases, these are government agencies uh, that incubate actionable social policy recommendations Uh, here in Cook County now for the Cook County Board and its agencies and departments. Uh, Although the state effort was term limited, the Cook County effort is now a permanent agency of county government. So we really have now this mechanism, this think tank, to kind of uh, take testimony from subject matter experts, from thought leaders locally, nationally, and from around the world uh, that are uh, sharing with the commission opportunities to drive positive social change through public policy. Uh, so the commission serves as a as a convener, a collaborator, a catalyst, and ultimately its policy decisions now are informed by the collective wisdom of the body. And uh, we're very proud of its 
of its efforts and its accomplishments as we were of the efforts of the of the preceding state effort. Oh wow, congratulations. I didn't realize it was now a permanent body. So that that's huge. Well, it allows us to take on not only the low-hanging fruit, but those projects that are going to take longer to materialize. And uh, Mm -hmm. it also invites a longer-term commitment by the commissioners uh, and the platforms that they leverage and really allows us to flex that social muscle in a way that a shorter-term commitment might not allow. Mm -hmm. Okay, and before I go to the next question, I I just want to remind Mark that I would always comment, you know, when I was working with the group that I was shocked at how much real work got done. And, you know, and that's not to knock other task forces, but, you know, this body was really, really committed to getting work done, very, very task-oriented. And, you know, as people will hear during the conversation that, you know, you've been able to hit the ground running, make a huge impact just within the first couple months, as I recall, and that work continues. And, And I thank you for your leadership in that regard. Well, thank you, and it's really a a joint effort. There's strength in numbers, and we have a very strong commission, and uh, they're deeply committed, and we work collaboratively, and it's, you know, I think a really important, uh, in many cases, urgent effort. Mm -hmm. So there are business owners, as I mentioned in the introduction, who would say in a heartbeat, you know, government needs to stay out of business and let the markets run their course. But on the other hand, many of these same owners have no problem taking advantage of tax credits, property tax breaks, and government subsidies. So it's clear that business, that that government does have, in fact, a role in promoting business growth. So what's the commission's role in promoting a healthy ecosystem of businesses, workers, and communities? Yeah, well, uh, you know, early on when uh, then-Commissioner and now Congressman Garcia invited me to draft the ordinance creating the commission and then to populate it and manage it, uh, he also invited me to create the, the design for the commission. And the design reflects my perception that all of the assets of Cook County are fair game for uh, social impact improvement. So the uh, mm-hmm. committee structure that evolved really reflects that reality. Uh, we have five different committees, all tied to the uh, kind of capital we're tr- we're looking at and trying to improve in terms of its capacity to address the most vexing social problems we face here. So we have a committee on public capital, which looks at the resources of the government, the uh, the international ports, the criminal justice system, the transportation system, uh, the school system, on and on. We have the Committee on Human Capital, which looks at workforce development initiatives and worker empowerment opportunities. Uh, We look at the Committee on Social Capital, where uh, that committee is charged with the responsibility of uh, identifying opportunities to, to uh, cooperate with 
uh, other organizations, whether governmental or non-governmental, business and otherwise, finding ways to work together to find uh, ways that uh, collaboration and combination is going to achieve our outcomes more efficiently, more effectively, and more impactfully. We have the Committee on Financial Capital where we're looking at the growing impact investment community as well as traditional banks and other lenders and institutions, uh, CDFIs and others that step up and are deploying capital often for both financial and social rewards. And we have the uh, Committee on Intellectual Capital, which looks at ways to uh, uh, to look at uh, data-driven decisions to improve the quality of decision-making and to ensure that the information available to the county writ large and all of its uh, counterparts can be uh, fully utilized in making the, the best, most informed decisions. So this is really an effort of really assembling all of the uh, various constituencies within the county, all of the stakeholders in the county, and ensuring that we're not missing anything as we set out to do a very tough job, and that is uh, improve the lives and social and economic justice for the residents of the county. Oh, okay, great. And then you also have the, is it the public? Capital. I don't know if I'm remembering that. Yeah, correctly. public capital was the first I mentioned, which deals with the public assets, oh, okay. like the the port and the schools and criminal justice and all of that sort of thing. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I I was no, taking notes all. and I, I guess <laughs> guess I missed that one as you were speaking. And so, what are some of the tools the commission has at its disposal to accomplish its mission? Well, it's the collective uh, wisdom and brain power of the commissioners, the organizations they represent, uh, the subject matter experts that we invite to testify uh, so that we can import the best ideas that are found in other counties, other states, and other nations, and subject to tweaking for local conditions Rather than reinventing the wheel, we find ways that we can uh, introduce legislation or regulation or break down barriers and ways that others that have preceded us have found beneficial uh, based upon their complementary objectives. So this is really, uh, you know, hard work, uh, elbow grease, uh, often looking at funding strategies, looking at ways of empowering the business community, ways of investing the nonprofit community, uh, ways of empowering individuals, families, and communities, and doing all of that in a way where everyone's interests are aligned and everyone sees their interest is aligned with those of the mm -hmm. others. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, that that gives this body the ability to be so effective is you seem to have the ears of you know, the Cook County Board President as well as the Board of Commissioners as well as the various department heads so, and that's not that's not always a common <laughs> that's not always well, easy I, to do. I, I, I've got to tell you two things. One, um, every resolution or proposal that the Commission developed and recommended was, has unanimously been approved by the Cook County Board. Uh, so there is awesome. great support for this kind of an initiative. 
and you know and it is not colored by political uh, or partisan influences mm-hmm. uh you know everybody's pulling in the same direction here and second i believe that each and every member of the Cook County Board wanted to be appointed to this commission. And I explained at the time to Commissioner Garcia, you know, were we to do this, it would really be duplicative and there would be much reason to have this. So, uh, you know, so we had a, we had a decline, uh, lots of offers of uh, support, which typically one would encourage. But the reality is we wanted this to be broadly representative of the financial, business, nonprofits, and government communities writ large so that you know we are we are ensuring that we're getting the best ideas through all of the various lenses through which those ideas need to be looked at okay so how can cook county residents and stakeholders get involved with your work yeah well the commission is uh, subject to the open meetings act so all Everyone is invited to attend our meetings, which occur monthly, uh, and uh, typically they're going to be at 69 West Washington. But if uh, you could you could find where the meetings and when they occur, either uh, by following me on Facebook or LinkedIn, and uh, I, I do post when the next meeting is to occur. The other thing I should mention is that um, those various committees that have been established all have chairs and co-chairs. And uh, Mm -hmm. the idea there is that every project is to be assigned to a specific committee so there is ownership. That is by no means to suggest that the work of the committees is accomplished in a siloed fashion. To the contrary, the committees work with each other and need to work with each other. And all of the commissioners are assigned to at least one and typically two and sometimes three committees. However, having said all of that, the work of the committees is also accomplished by people who are not on the commission, but rather citizens who are concerned about this or that issue. So if uh, if your listeners would like to attend meetings, we invite and encourage them to do so. But upon hearing what's going on within the various committees, uh, they're also invited to join the committees and to help us because, you know, the more input we can have, the more people that are going to roll up their shirt sleeves and contribute to the important and hard work of each of the committees, the better the outcomes will be. So uh, knowing what's going on, of course, is a citizen's responsibility. There are always public comment opportunities within each of the meetings of the commission, but beyond that, service on the commission, uh, whether as a commissioner one day or until then, service on the commission as a citizen who is concerned about an issue is uh, encouraged, and we'd love to have you uh, participate, and I'd love to see your listeners be there and say hello to me as well. Okay, and one thing, too, I can definitely vouch from experience, when you come to work with the committees, it's no such thing as us versus them, meaning commissioners versus people on the committee. Every idea is welcome, and everyone's input is is definitely appreciated. Absolutely true. Okay, So I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Mark Lane. Mark is the president of the law offices of Mark J. Lane, PLC, 
And we will be taking questions from our listening audience and chat room at about the 30-minute mark. If you are um, viewing our page, you can start posting in the chat room right now, and then we can read your questions and concerns and comments on the air. For those of you who are going to call in, the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. We've noticed that our international audience is growing, and we would love it if our podcast guests could reflect the views from around the world. So if you're listening from a country other than the United States, and you know of heads of NGOs that we should consider having on the show, please contact us at info at nonprofitutopia.com. So, Mark, when the Cook County Commission on Social Innovation got its start, I can imagine that you were greeted with a lot of cynicism, and I can tell you I, for one, was pleasantly surprised by the fact that some of the many initiatives that came before the commission were not only ambitious, but they had the potential to be transformative for business owners, community stakeholders, and Cook County government. So it was a triple win situation, so to speak. Can you share a couple highlights of some of the top accomplishments of the Cook County Commission on Social Innovation? And there are many, yeah, I'd love way to. More I'd love to. Yeah, thank you, Valerie. Appreciate that opportunity. And these are really just illustrative. There are many things that uh, have been accomplished and are being accomplished and will be accomplished. But just let me point out a few of them that, you know, from, from very varied uh, disciplines and uh, ways in which to help the citizenry. So uh, there are many uh, cities and counties and states around the United States that have developed uh, good food purchasing policies. Uh, and through the commission, the county has now done so as well. However, what's different is that the Cook County good food purchasing policy is the first such policy in the nation to include social justice criteria. So again, this is another policy that was unanimously approved by the Cook County Board, and it favors women and minority-owned farmers and food processors, social enterprises and public trusts, as well as the deployment of underutilized county land and buildings for their use, all with a view toward creating and distributing healthy food, nutritious food, uh, to families and uh, residents of Cook County. And uh, so as long as we're going to be reducing transportation costs by encouraging local agriculture, as long as we're going to be creating jobs through the encouragement of local agriculture, why not at the same time make sure that disadvantaged populations and those people who have not always had opportunities to be successful entrepreneurs are now favored through the Cook County Good Food Purchasing Policy, and it is now a model that has been considered to be adopted by other government units around the country. So that's that's one thing I would point okay. to. Um, another uh, happens to be an ordinance that I drafted that became law uh, mid-last year, and it is an ordinance establishing a county procurement preference for uh, social enterprises. That is, um, when a social enterprise, whether a for-profit, non-profit, or hybrid social enterprise, uh, wishes to sell goods or services to the county or any of its arms, 
they get a 5% credit against their bid. So if they're uh, within shooting match of the lowest bid, they will get the uh, they will get the order, and this uh, automatically favors uh, benefit corporations, low-profit limited liability companies (L3Cs), uh, but also for-profits or uh, uh, that are other in other forms or non-profits. The the ordinance is totally oh, uh, uh, agnostic as to form. And the idea is as long as an entity hires a majority of its workforce from a disadvantaged group or offers products or services to, ben- to benefit disadvantaged people, this ordinance will uh, apply. Uh, here again, we're getting a lot of interest from other government agencies around the country. Uh, it was featured in Forbes, uh, and uh, businesses are following suits, reaching out to the social enterprise community for its goods and services. My goal here is to elevate the supply chain to a value chain, and this is something that we are accomplishing here in Cook County, and not only are we doing that, but we're leveraging our thought leadership, which is another goal of the Commission's work uh, mm-hmm. in, in all of its aspects. Uh, and I went mention one other, uh, and that is um, at the behest of the Coalition for Modern Metro Electric, uh, we developed a resolution calling for a feasibility study of the Metro Electric Southern Line to look at viable options for increasing services to the southern regions of Cook County to help get residents of those job-poor areas to jobs that are in uh, the northwest suburbs in specific where there's uh, plentiful light manufacturing jobs. So uh, the county has uh, now... Uh, engaged a uh, study. Uh, They've budgeted initially $500,000 for that study. And the the goal is really to look at these various transportation agencies uh, that are operating based upon their own budgets, their own turf, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes their own egos, candidly, and uh, bang some heads (laughs) together. Mm -hmm. So we brought in uh, Congressman Lipinski and said, hey, look, these guys cannot operate in a vacuum. They all need to collaborate and ensure that transportation service throughout the county uh, is going to uh, combat the region's high unemployment and underemployment rates by allowing residents who live in job poor areas can get to job rich areas. So that's that's a third example. I could go on and on, but it gives you some flavor of the sorts of things in which we've been involved. Yeah, and what I enjoyed, you know, about my time working with you is you know, we didn't focus on just one end of the county. All of these initiatives are very comprehensive and they are very inclusive regardless of what end of the county you live in. And even, you know, there's some opportunities to, to work with folks across the county, I guess I would imagine with the transportation issue because a lot of those jobs are, you know, pretty far <laughs> far out and some of them may be beyond Cook County so I, I can't thank you guys enough for for being comprehensive in your approach. well you're 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 one of us guys so we thank you just the same and thank you for mentioning it okay no problem no problem um, so over the years you've had a number of guest speakers at the commission meetings sharing some of the lessons that they've learned regarding how government entities can implement policies 
and partnerships to strengthen local businesses, workers, and communities. Are there other examples that you'll share that have that you've been working on or are seriously being considered to be used as models for proposed policies and programs in the Cook County area? Yeah, thank you. And again, we rely on experts of every stripe to inform our work. So let me just mention a few of the people who have uh, generously donated their time to the commission's work and where that work reflects that uh, informed input. So one such person is Dr. Daniel Deermeyer, who is the provost of the University of Chicago. Uh, the university, of course, is working in concert with the Obama Library, which is preventing all kinds of questions for the community, and we're working through those issues to ensure that uh, the, the neighborhoods are, are, are benefited by all the decisions that are being made there on the south side. Uh, we brought in Stefan Verholst, who is uh, mm -hmm. the uh, co-founder and chief of research and development at New York University's GovLab. He's also worked with the United Nations and a number of states uh, looking at uh, data designs, solutions to, to very large social problems, and he's been very helpful to us in that effort. Uh, we've been working with uh, Renee Hatcher, who's the director of the Business Enterprise Law Clinic at the John Marshall Law School, which is now part of the University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh, Renee has been very helpful to us in developing our agenda with respect to employee ownership of businesses. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we are, we've worked with Richard May of American Working Capital, who's been looking at ways of bringing the employee stock ownership plan concept to disadvantaged neighborhoods and communities. Um, I could go on and on, and there's really just lots of people. By naming a few, I inevitably am excluding others, but not by <laughs> intention. They've all been extremely important to our work, and, uh, and their roster continues. And again, what I love about the work is you tend to marry the people in the ivory tower with the people on the ground, and that's that's not an easy thing to do, and it's not always very common, especially in the city of Chicago. So, so I thank well, you. Thank well, you. Very well, you know, that. Valerie, there's a there's there's an old African American. I mean, not African American, uh, American Indian or Native American is what I was about to say. Proverb: mm -hmm. uh, If you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone, and if you want to go far, go together. Uh, so we always see that mm -hmm. it's important to look at these things from a variety of different points of view and bring in people who are experiencing these issues as well as those who are studying them and those who have developed solutions mm -hmm. to attack them. And all of that is, is equally important, it seems to me. Right. I mean, you've worked with people who have worked with school closures or inequity in schools on the ground. You're, you've worked with people who are doing community gardening in Inglewood. You've listened to folks from Lawndale. You, you know, that's yeah. yeah, that's not the most common thing for, for such a body. So, well, again, thank you. We definitely appreciate it. Okay, not a problem. So it's 2.30, and I want to open it up for questions. I, I see that we have one person. I'm not sure if this person wants to ask a question or if this person just called in. So he or she could hear 
uh, firsthand here a little more clearly. But at any rate, I'm going to call on caller whose number is 773-624-0585. I'm going to make your mic live. If you have a question, please uh, please feel free to ask. Um, caller, you're live now. Did you have a question or a comment? Okay, I take it that there is no question or comment at this point, so we're going to go on with our line of questioning. So in your other life, or shall I say your dual life, because you play so many different roles, uh, (laughs) you're the chairman of the Chicago chapter of the Social Enterprise Alliance, or SEA. Can you tell us a little bit about what they do? Yeah, uh, thank you. SCA is a national organization uh, that um, brings together social enterprises, uh, nonprofits, L3Cs, benefit corporations, uh, others who are really looking at market-driven solutions to social problems. And um, there are 17 chapters around the nation. The Chicago chapter was the first it is the largest. It is the most robust. Uh, it uh, puts on educational programming roughly once a month, uh, bringing together subject matter experts and members who are interested in learning about the topic. Um, one of the interesting uh, observations I will share with you is that when the chapter was launched some 10 years ago, uh, we found that at that time there were lots of social enterprises in the Chicago area, but one, they did not necessarily identify themselves that way, and two, they didn't necessarily know that others of their ilk existed. So we made networking a priority early on and continues to be, so each of our educational programs will always have a significant networking component because without that, social entrepreneurs don't know that others exist and consequently can't learn from one another, let alone do business with one another or find ways to work together. So it is an it was a networking organization, it's an educational organization, it is an advocacy organization. And of course we are uh, privileged to serve as the hosts of the uh, Summit 19 Biennial National Conference uh, here in Chicago, September 9th through 11th where we hope to have mm-hmm. some 400 social entrepreneurs present. And not only would we encourage your audience to become members of SCA, uh, but also to attend the summit. And uh, by uh, becoming a member of SCA nationally, uh, you are automatically attached to your local chapter without any additional cost. The costs you'll find are modest in any event. Uh, but then you will join us, and we would welcome you as one of us. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about both SEA and the SEA Summit 19, which is just ahead. Oh, okay, great. So, yeah, who are some of the headliners for Summit 19? Well, And, and actually, what is Summit 19? I, <laughs> I'm just assuming that everybody... Is in my head, it is and the, they know it is what the na- yeah, it is the National Conference of Social Enterprise Alliance, mm-hmm. which occurs every two years 
uh, here mm-hmm. now this time. Next month it's going to be in Chicago, and we'll have about 400 mm-hmm. social entrepreneurs present, as well as those who support social entrepreneurs, funders, yeah. philanthropists, yeah, but- consultants, professionals, and others. Uh, so it's a wonderful opportunity not only to get involved in the educational breakout sessions, the plenaries, mm-hmm. Uh, but also to network and meet others and learn from others and find opportunities to work together with others whose objectives are complementary to yours. Okay, and who, what are some of the the overall goals? You know, there's the networking, the education. Is there any one particular lesson? I know you've got like three tracks, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the summit is uh, divided into tracks in terms of subject matter. Uh, there's a marketing track. There's a capital track. Uh, but really, the goal here is to build the fields. It's to become more mm-hmm. self-sufficient as mission-driven enterprises, uh, irrespective of how the enterprise is organized legally. And and the way the field is built is by bringing together those people who are committed to building it. And so we, we come together uh, as chapters locally, but, but biennially nationally. And uh, so this is a really important opportunity to have a forum where people can be made aware of, of new and exciting opportunities to drive positive social change, uh, what the market offers, what's new in law, what's new in funding, uh, what's new in public policy, what are all the different tools and techniques and strategies and tips and traps a social entrepreneur, whether nascent or seasoned, should be aware of in terms of making the best possible decisions in in launching or growing the organization. Okay. Now, Mark, I want to put a pause on on our conversation about the summit, and we'll we'll come back to it. I I see the potential for an interesting discussion occurring in in our chat room. Um, there is a listener who describes himself as Purple Pill, who just called me a yes man and not a thinker. Um, but at any rate, he he was indicating that social enterprise in itself sounds like it's a Marxist organization, and <laughs> his question is, how is social self-sufficient? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> certainly not Marxist. It is, in fact, driven by the capitalistic principle of financial self-sustainability through earned revenue, that is, competing in the marketplace selling products or services in a way that lifts up people. Uh, so uh, it, is, uh, it becomes less dependent on governments, less dependent on philanthropy, and uh, the, the, the very existence of social enterprises allows government to do, less, to do more with less and to empower the business community and the investment community to, to achieve their respective objectives more impactfully and uh, open up markets for them. So I would uh, I would uh, d- dispute the notion that it is Marxist, but Marxist, but rather this is uh, capitalism. Uh, one would hope it's capitalism with a conscience, but capitalism nonetheless. Mhm. 
Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate your taking the time. And Purple Pill, thank you so much for taking the time to make your comments known. That was, you know, really helpful, you know, for us to get an understanding of what your feelings could be. So at any rate, um, I wanted to get a sense for who some of the headliners are for this year's summit. Well, uh, Valerie, you're one of them. Uh, you you and I are going to have a, a conversation uh, on September 10th in the morning, mm-hmm. and let me yes, kind indeed. of uh, uh, and we're going to be um, at a um, breakout session entitled "The Intersection of Laws and Markets," and uh, that I'd like to uh, kind of um, uh, telegraph what you and I are going to be talking about a little bit. And maybe uh, okay. maybe whet some appetites out there in in your among your listeners. So the idea is mm-hmm. to look at some of the new laws that are uh, uh, are important to the markets of social enterprises. One we've already alluded to, and that is the um, Cook County procurement preference for social enterprises, which uh, is being um, uh, copied in the, in the most positive way and in, in a way that is to be encouraged by other governments around the around the uh, nation. Uh, I'm also going to be talking with you about Illinois' new recreational marijuana law. Here is another situation where we see a lot of uh, a lot of similar laws being passed around the around the country, but the Illinois law, first among others, is equity centric it has specific features that you and I are going to talk about that um, not only address the social and financial advantages of legalizing marijuana in a in a state but also does so that is mindful of and respectful of the opportunities thereby created to uh, support disadvantaged populations and we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. that then uh, Illinois also has a new law uh, called the Limited Cooperative Association Law, uh, which re- recognizes that Illinois' worker-owned co-ops uh, have been disfavored. Uh, the co-op law in Illinois up until now uh, has been a 100-year-old law uh, that was inhospitable to um, worker-owned co-ops, that's all now being corrected, where we have a law in Illinois taking effect first of the year, which is going to bring together the best features of worker co-op laws and um, uh, limited liability company laws, shielding owners from the debts of the enterprise, creating flexibility in governance and taxation, but doing some things for communities and neighborhoods and people that are disadvantaged in ways that other worker co-op laws aren't achieving. Uh, For example, uh, it is going to uh, invite sweat equity into uh, Mm mission-driven worker-owned co-ops. It is going to overcome barriers to ownership uh, by uh, undocumented immigrants that otherwise would be the case. Uh, It's going to do some other really important things within neighborhoods that we're going to be talking about. And then we're also going to be talking a little bit about uh, qualified opportunity zones and qualified opportunity funds that have had uh, lots Mm -hmm. of buzz 
And uh, this, of course, is the first major opportunity whereby the traditional investment community is incented financially to invest in disadvantaged communities. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what that means and how that looks and uh, who's helped and uh, what steps need to be taken so that people are not inadvertently harmed by it, too. So that's one of the things Mm -hmm. that uh, I think is important to talk about. And if I may also mention, because this allows me to talk about some other folks, um, I'm going to be the... uh, the uh, host of a plenary main stage presentation uh, also the same day, September 10th, but here in late afternoon, where we're going to have Chicago change makers at an inflection point. And uh, we're going to talk to um, Dr. Byron Brazier, uh, who is a clergyman, but also through a foundation associated with his church, the Apostolic Church of God, uh, we has developed two different social enterprises to uh, help um, people in the Woodlawn area of Chicago uh, develop uh, skills that are going to be important for them to be uh, uh, financially self-reliant in terms of their own careers. Um, we're going to be talking with uh, Donna Gaines of the Tabernacle Senior Citizens Project, which is a housing model addressing loneliness, isolation, and food insecurity in aging communities, uh, in mm-hmm. particular in communities of color. And we're going to be talking with Dan Swinney of Recast, which is a nonprofit, really interesting, uh, multi-stakeholder nonprofit which is increasing business ownership opportunities for minority and women employees of um, manufacturing companies in Chicago. So that's going to be a fun conversation, but there'll be lots of other folks uh, that are going to be um, presenting and offering really important ideas. I should also mention that there are going to be some tours of Chicago area social enterprises uh, each of which is iconic, each of which establishes a business model that's worth noting mm-hmm. and following. Uh, one is Kara uh, Chicago, which uh, which supports people who have been affected by homelessness. Another is Safer Foundation, which helps uh, returning citizens overcome barriers to employment. Uh, one is the Rebuilding Exchange, which looks at both environmental and workplace uh, workplace development issues, um, growing home, which looks at local agriculture as a way to create uh, financial uh, self-sufficiency for individuals, uh, Sunshine Gospel Ministries, which is a faith-based organization that has developed mm-hmm. Greenline Coffee, its own social enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, a safe haven, which of course is a multi disciplinary social enterprise, for-profit, non-profit, L3C, all of the above, having uh, affordable housing, but also workforce development in terms of culinary arts and um, many other uh, initiatives, uh, inspiration okay. kitchens, Mark, the Chicago okay. Lighthouse. Mark, Mark yeah. can, I, can I get you to hold on for just a moment? We have another caller. I'm not sure if the caller is calling with the question or comment, but I just want to get his or her comment if he or she has one. Okay, so caller, your phone number is 
312-414-5021. Your mic is live. I'm wondering if you have any questions of Mark. Yes, I do, colleagues. This is Leslie Page Piper. Hello, Valerie. Good afternoon to you, as well as Mark. How are you both doing? I hope you both are Great, Leslie. Great Great. hearing from you. Yes, yes. I have a question. Is there a recent study which has been performed to demonstrate that bringing disadvantaged communities as groups and individuals into social enterprise ownership, mutually owned businesses, et cetera, co-ops, will be more economically beneficial to municipal geographic energies? entities as opposed and improve the quality of life in these communities as opposed to rolling these members into and residents into the prison system. Is there been a study that's been done in that to your knowledge? <laughs> uh I think there have been many studies done that establish that very point. Um okay. if you if you yeah, yeah sure. Let me take a minute if I may. Um okay. The, the the very first social impact bond in the world mm-hmm. was in uh, Peterborough, outside of London, the United Kingdom. It's been replicated around the world now. But the okay. idea was mm-hmm. for um, uh, people coming out of prison to mm-hmm. uh, get uh, wraparound services to improve their futures. So if they have mm-hmm. problems in terms of securing employment or housing or problems within uh, gangs or problems with financial problems within their families, bring together all the kinds of social services necessary to, okay. uh, to ensure that they could have a, a better path leaving prison. Uh, mm-hmm. the government was initially opposed to this idea because they said, how are we going to afford it? We have no way of paying for these social services, even though it demonstrated clearly that by keeping people out of prison, uh, by giving them these support services, they would become productive citizens. Well, the, mm-hmm. uh, Rock, the Rockefeller Foundation and others stepped up and said, we'll fund this, and we'll be okay. able to make a profit on doing so because – by virtue of your keeping these people out of prison, uh, mm-hmm. the money you'll save in terms of housing and feeding and clothing them can now be mm-hmm. used, uh, one, to give us money back on the money we're funding, but also to right. support mm-hmm. these wraparound services. The case was made, I should tell you, and it's now being okay. made throughout the world. In conclusion. And that was my concern because I'm not saying that it's not uh, being demonstrated in terms of continuing drive to imprison as a way to make profits by corporations. And I'm just trying to understand why uh, that hasn't been driven on to home to them. And that's why I mean, I'm asking. Uh, Thank you for the question. Very much appreciate it. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you so much for calling, Leslie. Hope you continue okay. to listen. All okay. righty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Mark, you were talking about the tours. You indicated a list of I would call all stars here in Chicago. Yeah, in no, they are. They are all stars. Yeah. Okay. So, so how how are the tours actually set up? From what I can remember, there are what two neighborhoods or three neighborhoods that are going to actually There's, have there are, tours. There are three neighborhoods, uh, north, west, and south, and uh, the okay. idea is. Uh, when one registers for the summit, one registers for the tours, and they are all between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. on September 9th. So you sign up for them and you go visit them, and their leadership will be present and personally tour you 
through their facility and tell you their theory of social change and the social metrics by which their impact is being evaluated and what their successes are and what works and what hasn't worked. So it's extraordinary leveraging of thought leadership and a great opportunity to see these social enterprises in action coupled with the various plenaries and breakout sessions to uh, ensure that people get state-of-the-art cutting uh, edge knowledge about how to run and, and operate a successful social enterprise. Okay, so the tours are, you can go to all three neighborhoods or you have to choose which No, you get to mix and match what you want to do. Yeah, you get to go where you oh. want to go. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, yep. awesome. And what I, I'd like is the diversity of experiences people can get. Exactly right. And you get to interact okay. with the people who do it on the ground and know how it's done. Mm-hmm. So, so you're getting a combination of theory, networking, seeing stuff on the ground. For three, this is a three-day conference. Is that correct? It, yeah, it is. It's a, the ninth, tenth, and eleventh. They're also, as if that wasn't good enough, uh, there's also mm-hmm. a social enterprise marketplace on September 9th Mm -hmm. in the evening from 530 Mm -hmm. to 7.30, where we're going to have many social enterprises uh, exhibit their wares for sale, Mm -hmm. as well as serving drinks and hors d'oeuvres for those who attend at the Radisson Blue, which is the venue uh, for the uh, summit at 221 North Columbus Drive in Chicago. And Okay, and how can we register? Uh, you need to go to socialenterprise.us, and uh, that is the same site one would go to to become a member of Social Enterprise, as I hope your listeners will, <laughs> and thereby become attached yeah. to the Chicago chapter or whatever their local chapter may be at no additional charge. So there is a link to Summit 19 at that homepage, and then there's also an opportunity to join SCA at the same place. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, so backing up, when when you and I talk, we'll talk about a number of topics, including the opportunity zones. So if yes. you are a practitioner, say, in community development or real estate development, this yep. is definitely one of the places you want to be. Is that correct? Well, yeah, but understand okay. that this also benefits um, operating businesses. So I mean, the, whole, mm-hmm. the, the way in which communities are lifted up is by increasing values and by attracting people to come into those communities and by creating businesses and the jobs that they represent and contributing to the tax base. So the, mm-hmm. the, the real trick of the, of the upper opportunity zone is money going into those zones will return a financial reward to their investors we're looking for financial play, of course, only when those invest when those communities are themselves lifted up. So the interests of the communities themselves and the investors in those communities are linked together, and that's what's important about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great! Yeah, we have a couple people, you know, in our circle, so to speak, who will be very, very interested in that session. And not to mention the others, but you know when you said 
opportunity zone. My my ears went up like a little German shepherd. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to digress. <laughs> All righty. So one more opportunity for folks to call in. We've got five minutes, and we're speaking with Mark Lane. He's the president of the law offices of Mark J. Lane, PLC. And our calling number is 347-884-8121. Again, the number is 347-884-8121. And, Mark, um, while we're waiting for callers, if we get any more callers, um, is there anything you want to say in conclusion? Well, I uh, very much appreciate people taking the time to learn about the various initiatives here in our area, but also nationally. And uh, I want to thank you for your extraordinary leadership, Valerie, in in driving these messages and educating people who are interested because there's strength in numbers, and it's important that we all come together around these issues because they will not solve themselves. And uh, to the extent that people have interest in launching a social enterprise looking at uh, the core competencies and underutilized assets of nonprofits to help develop a business as an instrumentality of mission, but also to diversify their sources of funding, or otherwise to support the sector as a consultant, as an attorney, as an accountant, as an advisor of any, in any way, as a public policymaker. It's all important that we come together around these issues because that's the way change will happen. Okay, great, great. Okay, so... We've come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank Mark Lane. He's the president of the law offices of Mark J. Lane, PLC, for being a guest. And he's just given us his closing remarks. And before we go, I just want to remind folks to, you know, be sure and join us next week. You know, we're going to have another lively episode of Nonprofit Utopia. Our guest will be William Towns. He is the executive director of Benefit Chicago. And we'll be yeah, talking speaker about at the summit. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Now, he's, he's a true <laughs> headliner. <laughs> uh-huh. he, he made the front page <laughs> of the website. Yeah. He's got some really, really interesting stuff. And you and we'll work together from time to time. Is that correct? Indeed we do. Okay, awesome. So he will be our guest next week. And who knows, we'll talk about his work, and then we can also – talk about, you know, what he'll be speaking about at the conference as well. So at any rate, you can sign up for a reminder right on this episode page, and we hope to hear from you next week. And again, Mark, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you, and you always cut my head open, and I learned so much. I know that's such a... (laughs) My privilege, Valerie. Thanks Thanks for the opportunity to be with you. All righty. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.